Good morning. Good morning. Grab your seats. I always hate to cut this off, but um, I think it's good. I'm glad you guys like each other enough to chat a little bit on Sunday morning. That's good. It's a good thing. We are, uh, we're going to be in Psalm 13 today. Uh, we're continuing on in this Journey of the Soul series, and, and it's loosely following the 23rd Psalm. We, we're looking at different texts each week. Uh, we started, if you want to look at it from the 23rd Psalm, you know, it starts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And we talked about this first stage where Christ calls us to follow him, to let him be our shepherd, that we walk down this pathway of grace where he, he makes space for us to grow and to learn. And then the psalm continues, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. We talked about after this calling to follow, there's this stage where you're, you're growing as a disciple, that, that the community around you helps you, that the Spirit helps you. We talked about those commitments we have here at our church of worship, relationships, mission, and learning, how those kind of things help us grow. And then the psalm continues, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So last week we talked about using your gifts serving God, right? Finding out what he's called you to and using those gifts. Well, the next line in the psalm is, Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will do no evil. And this is a reminder this week, especially, that as we follow Jesus on this journey, so we often come to a place of difficulty, a place that, that, that a lot of spiritual writers will call the wall, where you just you hit right up against it, where we begin to question, where we feel alone, where we feel it feels like the faith that we had before at those early stages just isn't working for us anymore. Ever been there? Ever done that? Ever felt that? you got to nod your head. I can't see mouths moving with those masks. But uh, see, typically this is the place where we begin to think something's gone wrong. Either we've done something wrong, God's mad at us, trying to get us back in line, or maybe the things that we've thought we believed and counted on really aren't strong enough to hold us. It's a difficult time. And, and the good news from the scripture is, if you've ever felt that way, like, I'm not sure this makes sense anymore, you're not alone. Uh, all throughout church history, people have written about the wall, this spiritual conflict problem. And, and David does it in our psalm today, too. It's Psalm 13. I'm going to ask Bruce McBride if Bruce will come up and read the psalm for us. Psalm 13, a psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Thanks, Bruce. Now, I, I don't know about you, I've, I've read this psalm many times over many years, but the older I get, the more important this particular psalm becomes to me. And, and I find in it some comfort for my own prayers, especially for me when things are not making sense 
about life. You may think, well, the pastor never has a question. He never wonders. Well, let me just tell you, the pastors encounter all, you each have your situations of struggle, and we encounter all of them. And so sometimes our questions are huge because we're like, God, let up. Take it easy on these people. Make life better. I see the struggles and I wonder why. And this psalm gives me words because it's an honest prayer of lament. An honest prayer of lament. And sometimes it feels good to just be brutally honest. It's written, David is fleeing from King Saul. Saul wants to kill him because he knows that David has been anointed to be his successor. He doesn't want that to happen. And he's chasing him through the wilderness. And after too many nights of hiding in a cave and fearing for his life, every time he goes out of that cave, David cries out to God, how long? Really, how long is this going to last? And one thing's for sure, at least for those of you who've been walking this journey for a while, how long is a valid question. Nothing wrong with asking the question, how long? We often begin our spiritual journey with this great joy, this this freedom of forgiveness, and and Jesus becomes real to us all of a sudden, and we're accepted, and we're drawn into a community, and it's, it's exciting. But events happen, and pain and disappointments come. And while we trust in God, there come times when we wonder, what, what's happening? I, I was helped years ago by a guy, his name's Brian McLaren, and he, he says the stages of faith are really simple. He said it starts in simplicity. Everything's black and white. Jesus loves me, and, and it's all clear. And then he says, but then it moves to complexity because you're getting to realize there's some things you don't really understand. And then he said, then pain comes, and you move into what he calls perplexity, where you almost feel perplexed. I'm going to lose my faith. I don't know if I can believe this anymore. And he says, if you hold on there, you can punch through to humility, where you realize, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust. And how long is a valid question along that journey? How, how do I know that? One, one reason I know it's valid is it's in our text. It's not the only place. It's in the Bible. If you go to Psalm 10.1, the psalmist prays out, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Where are you? Why are you so far away? And then even Jesus on the cross chose to pray a psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Anyway, at, at first we may feel a little weird about expressing this brutal honesty to God. But the Bible makes it clear that this is a normal part of the journey. And if you look on your outline, I've got about 15 psalms. There, there's actually uh, 42 psalms of lament. Almost one out of every three psalms is a psalm of lament. A lament is, is expressing deep sorrow or grief or regret. And these are beautiful poems that tell us that these kind of things are the things that in our prayers we bring to God. They're prayers that lay out a troubling situation before the Lord honestly and ask Him to help. And, and this is one of the things I want you to see here. Instead of feeling awkward about being honest with God about our struggles... We need to realize that prayers of lament are proof of relationship. Prayers of lament are proof of relationship. I read a writer this week, and he was talking about his kids on Saturday morning coming in and waking up he and his wife because they want breakfast. You ever had that experience? You just want to sleep in, but they want to eat. And his question was, why don't they go to the neighbor's? But the reality is they're not going to go to the neighbor's because there's no relate. When there's a need... 
Where do they come? To the people they have a relationship with. And Psalms of Lament are, are, are that kind of image. It's, it's us going to God, not, not because even we're just angry, but because we're going to the, to the one place where we can go. It's, it's not like, you remember that story in the Old Testament where the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and working themselves up into a frenzy to try to get God to respond. That's not the, the picture of the relationship we have with God in the Psalms. It's, it's a child in need going to the one who loves them. The reverse of this scene is mentioned. Dr. Russell Moore wrote a book, Adopted for Life, where he talks about his and his wife's story of adoption. But he, he goes to an orphanage in Russia as they were pursuing this process, and he, as he walked in, he said it was eerie because there were babies everywhere in their cribs, and none of them were crying. And he said that, that they were short-staffed in the orphanage. It was difficult what they were doing. And he said he realized that, that they didn't cry because they didn't need anything, but they stopped crying ever because they realized it didn't do any good. Isn't that sad? And a lament is just the opposite. A lament is us crying out to God because that is the one place we can go when there's struggle. That's why so many psalms go there. Even in that 23rd psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And at that point it turns. He's been talking about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me. It's all been kind of this third person discussion. But at the wall, in the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's a turn. And we live in a broken world, and we're broken people, just like Jake's prayer said, but we are loved by God. And so David, in Psalm 13, prays this psalm of lament, and, and one thing he does, he, he structures it beautifully. He, he's acknowledging pain on three levels, really. It, it cycles three times to what I'll, I'll call three levels of feeling. Uh, and then he, at first he, he states what he feels, and then he, he asks God to work at all those three levels, and then there's a response and a resolution at those three levels. So let's, let's look at the, the first one is what I call the fear of spiritual abandonment. Let's call this the level of spiritual pain. Verse 1 states it very clearly. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He's acknowledging that he feels abandoned. Where have you gone, God? What's happening? I feel so alone. And it, you know what makes it even worse? If you've had these good times with God where you feel like he's present with you and he's leading your life and all of a sudden it's not there, it's, the contrast makes it even harder. That's it. He's expressing his feeling, but he cycles back to this same level in verse 3 where he requests, he says, look on me, see me, come close. God, I feel like you've abandoned me. I just need to know that you actually see what's happening here. See and answer me. And this is a reality of the spiritual wall, right? Uh, a sense of abandonment by God. David felt it. So do we at times, I think. And we'll talk about why that is at the end of the sermon. But, but I want you to realize this is a normal feeling in the journey of the soul. This does not mean you've lost your way. This is a part of the process. And even in, in the resolution of the psalm down in verse 5, we see this level, this fear of spiritual abandonment being addressed where he says, but I, verse 5, I trust in your unfailing love. I feel abandoned. I want you to see me. I'm going to trust that you haven't abandoned me. We're going to hone in on that word unfailing love in a minute. But th this is the big picture spiritual level. He feels abandoned at this level. Then he moves on to more of an internal 
personal level, the reality of inner turmoil. An emotional level, first part of verse 2. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? He's gone from, I feel like you've abandoned me out there, to all this internal, you know, you know how it feels when you feel like God has abandoned There is an internal struggle. Am I doing the right thing? What have I done? The, th- the, the feeling that God has disappeared sets in motion this internal struggle. It's a painful process of emotion. We can be overcome with anxiety or fear. It can shift into anger or even depression. And David asked at that level down in verse 3 something specific. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. Now that that word for light literally is give understanding to my awareness. Help me figure this out. This inner turmoil is driving me crazy, God. Come on, help me see what's doing it. And later in verse, the, the second part of verse 5, he goes to that third level of more physical, practical, uh, or I mean, um, my heart rejoices in your salvation. Where it's, it's this inner turmoil, but there's something happening there, even in the end of the psalm. So we see this spiritual level, we see this internal, emotional level, and the one that often precipitates the crisis itself is the weight of our outward circumstances, Right? The level of things that are happening, those three things come together. Usually they come in the opposite order. We have a, a horrible circumstance, and we start having all this inner questioning, which leads us to feeling abandoned by God. That's what, what typically it flows, but he's coming the other way. And he says in verse 2, how long will my enemy triumph over me? God, not only do I feel alone, not only do I have this inner struggle, not only do I feel like you're gone, but I've got this Saul's chasing me. He wants to kill me. David's being chased by Saul and his life is in danger and he's wrestling with his thoughts, his anxiety, maybe even his anger or depression. And he says, how long does this have to happen that my enemy pursues me? And then in verse 4 he says, if you don't act, my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. There's that, uh, that same level again of these circumstances impacting him. And they're all part of an honest prayer. When the struggle resolves at the end, there's a physical part engaged again, right? It's it's different. He says at the end of the psalm, I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. He's remembering his circumstances. He's taking physical action. All three of those levels, this big spiritual abandonment level, this inner turmoil, and what's going on in my life outside, all three of those levels keep circling in this psalm. And what makes the difference? What turns him from this abandonment and inner turmoil and oppression from his circumstances to where he can trust. It's in verse 5. It's the phrase the NIV translates, your unfailing love. It's a word that appears all throughout the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to teach you some Hebrew today. I'm going to teach you one Hebrew word. You ready? Chesed. It's a Hebrew word worth learning. I want you to say it. It's chesed. Like you almost got to clear your throat. Chesed. You're going to say it a lot at the end. Chesed. Right? Uh, it, it's often, it's translated a lot of different ways in the Old Testament. Um, but, but the idea in chesed is love and generosity and an enduring commitment. All three of those things brought together in one word. Unfailing love gets at it. Um, you may have learned that song as a kid, your loving kindness is better than life. Loving kindness is chesed, right? I, I, I like the way the, the guys at the Bible Project translate it. They, they call it the loyal love of God. The loyal love of God. It's a core attribute about him all throughout the Old Testament. 245 times is chesed used. 
In Psalm 136, which we're going to read at the end of the sermon, it says it 26 times. You'll see it. It's a point they want to get across. Love, generosity, enduring commitment. And, and the root word underneath chesed is actually, it, 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 the root is bending of the neck. And the idea is someone is suffering and you go over to them and you bend down to them. That's the picture of God in his chesed. And David says, but I will trust in this. That's what makes the difference. I will trust in something that endures despite what I see, despite what I feel. In Psalm 118.1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His chesed endures forever. It's also in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy, the goodness there, chesed. Surely chesed and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Even in Lamentations, you, we sang, great is thy faithfulness, right? And that verse in Lamentations, the, the chesed, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The steadfast love is chesed. That word is everywhere in the Old Testament. And the, the beautiful thing about that word, and I want you to get this today, is that chesed is anchored in God's character and not our merit. It's not something we earn. It's something that God is. It's all about God and his nature. When, when God declared who he was to Moses, in Exodus 34, it says, And he, God, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in chesed, in love and faithfulness. It's a self-description. And it's a constant theme on this pathway of grace. This whole journey we've talked about is based on what God has done for us. And so in those moments when we hit the wall, right, and our tendency, and I've seen it, I've seen it in people in churches all the time, you hit the wall and they feel like something's gone wrong, they've failed, they, they, they feel guilt, they feel shame because I'm having these feelings of abandonment, I just don't know what to do, and I just want to say it's, it's there in the scripture. Everybody had them. And the point is, you've got to take the focus off yourself in this moment and put it on the chesed of God. Despite our internal struggles with doubt or anxiety or fear or even anger, despite the circumstances of our everyday life that we feel like will crush us, we can trust in his chesed because it's on him and not our responsibility. When we're at this point of praying honestly, when we hit the wall, when our cries are, how long, God, will you forget me forever? The question is, how are we going to learn to rest in chesed when we hit the wall? When you're there, when you hit the wall, how can you rest in that loyal love of God? See, the key to realizing a huge part of the spiritual journey, one of the keys is to realize when you hit this wall, it is not necessarily a failure. It's actually a point where God is going to reveal himself to you in a deeper way, a way that's bigger than circumstances, a way that's bigger than emotion, a way that's bigger than your own in internal ability to figure it all out. And so when you hit that wall, how can you rest in this mercy of God? I'm going to give you a few ideas. First, I would say begin with honesty and not avoidance. Begin with honesty and not avoidance. Often the wall comes to help us open our eyes to something that we would not have seen unless we were there. When we think of walls, we think of Peter betraying Jesus. Remember, Peter 
Peter was quite sure of himself. He, he had two things that he was wrong, and he was quite sure of his own ability, and he was quite sure that, that Jesus was going to be a king and overthrow Rome in the way that he thought it was going to happen. And there, there's that period in Luke 24 when he, he finally, it, his world started falling apart. He denied Jesus, and it says in Luke, Luke 24, 62, and he went out and wept bitterly. That's Peter at the wall, Right? Peter didn't know the truth about himself. He didn't know what God was actually trying to do. And in this moment of failure and brokenness, when both those things he thought he knew he didn't, it was him at the wall. You know, it's a gift for Peter, this, this moment. Back in Luke 22, 33 and 34, Peter replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny three times that you know me. Peter couldn't fathom that. so much punishment to Peter for, 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 for thinking too highly of himself. The wall was a way that God stripped away these illusions that he had about himself so that he could see something new. And he needed to be honest about who he was. And we often don't, don't like that. We don't like that being stripped away. We don't like that honesty before God. We don't like even bringing our questions to him. We don't like, we'd like to avoid it. That's why so often religious people, instead of looking inward at what's going on in their life, just get busy doing religious things. Because if I can keep myself busy enough, I won't have to reflect on who I am. But at some point, you're going to hit the wall. And God's going to begin opening the doors to show you what's there. The psalm reminds us of how important it is to be honest with God. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will let, must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? David says what he feels. And it's important for us to do that too to God. To be able to, to have the freedom to say, God, I can't stand this. Help me. Where are you? It's a great song. I'm actually going to play two songs for you today. This is unusual. I don't normally do this. But this is a, this is a pathos sermon. This is a sermon that, that gets you right in the gut. And these two songs I'm going to play for you, I'm going to play one right now by Andrew Peterson, are very helpful at expressing what happens at the wall. Just, just listen to these lyrics as, as we play. to drive a man crazy it'll break a man's faith it's enough to make him wonder if he's ever been seen when he's bleeding for comfort from thy staff and thy rod in the heavens only Shake a man's timbers When he loses his heart When he has to remember What broke him apart and This yoke may be easy But this burden is not When the crying fields are frozen By the silence If a man has got to listen 
to the voices of the mob who are reeling in the throes of all the happiness they've got when they tell you all their troubles have been nailed up to that cross what about the times when even followers get we all get lost sometimes There's a statue of Jesus On a monastery knoll In the hills of Kentucky All quiet and cold He's kneeling in the garden Silent as a stone all his friends are sleeping He's weeping all alone And the man of all sorrows He never forgot What sorrow is carried By the hearts that he bought So when the questions dissolve Into the silence of God Breaking may remain, but the breaking does not. Breaking may remain, but the breaking does not. In the holy lonesome echo of the silence of God. I feel like it's honest. And, and no, it's, it doesn't leave us happy clappy. It doesn't sell. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's a reality. And, and one of the things that song drives at is the reality is that Jesus has been here too. He feels it. He knows it. And, and that the aching may remain because we live in a broken world, but the breaking does not. That that chesed has made a way for us to be made whole. So the, the next part of this, you've got to be honest and not avoid the truth. The next step is to let the difficulty do its work. Something happening here in the midst of this pain and difficulty. It's shaping us. How many of you have known that there was something you needed to change in your life, but you just didn't change it until you had to? Anybody want to raise your hand? I think we all are there, right? We put off the hard choices until there's no other option. And very often the difficulty is what pushes us to the point of making a change, of not depending on our feelings or our understanding, of resting in the chesed of God. One of the reasons we're afraid to be honest is that the truth and the pain that it brings is working on us. And sometimes it's very difficult work. We really don't want to go there. And see, the wall, the spiritual wall, is sometimes God's way of bringing about a deep change in us that we wouldn't do any other way. James 1, 2 and 4, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joys, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance, that's sitting at the wall, waiting, must finish its work so that you'll be mature and complete. We have to be honest about the hard because that's the first step in letting the difficulty actually work on us and change us at these deep levels. 
And we remember at that moment that lament, remember, it's a sign of relationship. So when we're there, where do we go? We focus on the character of God. But I will trust in your unfailing love. God, this feels like you're nowhere to be found. I've got this internal struggle. My life seems to be falling apart. But what I'm going to count on is not my ability to get out of here, not my ability to understand it, not my feeling that you're with me, but the fact that in your character, in the very nature of who you are, is this chesed, this unfailing love. It's really all that we have. In fact, it was funny, Jake and I were talking about a situation on Friday, and he knows we've been working through this, I've been working through this sermon, and, and, uh, and there just wasn't a great answer to the situation. And he said, uh, well, I guess we'll just trust in the chesed of God. It's really all we got. I said, yeah, it is. It's all we have, but it's enough, people. It's enough. That's the message of the psalm. It's enough. As we remember the loyal love of God, our perspective is shifted. And as the pain works on us, we move from, from fear to trust and from anxiety to rest and from, from struggling to surrendering. And it's focused on the God that, that, that we know will not be changed. Right? And as we look at him, that, that passage I come back to all the time in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we actually look at the character of God, as we remember the, the loyal love of God for us, we're transformed into that same likeness. And one other thing we can do, the last thing, is we can reflect on God's past faithfulness. Verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because he has been good to me. I don't feel it right now, but I know it's happened. And I know he's faithful. Often in the moment, we forget what God's done in the past. We forget that God has carried us this far. And it's important to remember those things. We're going to do two things in, in, as a different way of a closing prayer. I'm going to play another song for you. You can close your eyes and listen to the words if you want, or you can read them. They'll be on the screen. It's a shorter song. But it's, it's a rendition of Psalm 13. And then after, Psalm 3, after we play that song, I'm going to come up and, and we're going to read through Psalm 136 together. I'm going to read and you're going to respond. And your, your part's going to be on the screen, so don't worry about that. But, but it's, we're going to do two things. We're going to listen to the psalm as a prayer. And then we're going to respond by singing, psalming of the good things the Lord has done. So you can bow your heads, whatever. Rob, play that second song.
about the writer of Psalm 136. I think he was a basketball coach. <laughs> because one thing you learn in coaching is the only way to learn something and embed it in who you are is repetition, 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 repetition. Do it over and over. So we're going to read Psalm 136. This is your part coming up on the screen. You can read the Hebrew at the top if you want. Or you can read his kesed endures forever. I'm going to read a line. This happened, your line happens 26 times. I read a phrase, you're going to read that. And this repetition, I want this to drill this into your head so that this week when you hit the wall, what comes out is his chesed, his loyal love, his unfailing love endures forever. So here we go. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, to him who alone does great wonders, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day the moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them and with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate. And he freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Let's stand as we sing. My, my prayer for you this week is kind of twofold. If you're at the wall, if... if, if you resonate with what you've heard today, and this is me crying, how long, O oh Lord? I want you to, to, to be able to say, I will trust in his unfailing love as you wait. Now, if you're not at the wall, here's your job. You are to be the chesed of God to everybody you come in contact with. You're to minister to the people that are at the wall. Some people don't even know what a wall is. Some people don't realize that this wall in their life is what will bring them to Jesus, and he's calling you to show up and be the chesed of God to them. That's my prayer for you this week. Amen.